and welcome into this new episode of The Dagger. I'm Justin Pierce here alongside Corey Kennedy. We're already at episode 10 of the revamp, Corey. I mean, like, how are we doing on this uh, fine, fine Thursday? Yeah, I'm going to say, yeah, we, we hit the 10 spot. So we're, we're there at the decade mark. Um, we're rolling. We're rolling along. I hope you guys are enjoying the revamp. It's been super fun. We've had some great conversations. Um, and I think you guys have really enjoyed this one coming up, especially all you NFL fans out there. Um, we got the draft coming up in about a week um, from today. So as we're recording, so we're doing well, we're doing super good and, uh, and hope, I hope everyone's doing well that's listening today. Yeah. So we're going to go through uh, what we're going to go, um, go through on the show, go down the, go down the lineup for uh, this week's show. Um, we're going to talk Alex Smith's retirement and how big that is for the NFL after winning comeback player of the year. Um I mean, we're going to go in depth with that, so stay tuned. Also, we're going to bring up who we think our NBA MVP is for this year. There's been a lot of injuries, and there's been a lot of um, games that have been canceled and moved around, and uh, teams adjusting basically on the fly due to COVID. So we're going to get into that and break down who we think should be the NBA MVP to this weird, absurd-looking year. I mean uh, – all the NBA seeds right now, they're jumbled around. I mean, we have the Jazz in first place still, the Suns up there, uh, the Lakers and Clippers hanging around the middle of the West too. So we'll break down who's surprising us and you know who's really disappointing us so far. And then we have a special guest interview with uh, our, our, our very own Sports Illustrated reporter, Fernando Ramirez. Uh, Corey and I both know that we worked with him um, he, um, I was, I was his, in, I was his intern. Yes. I, I misconstrued that on during the interview, but I was his intern at NBC seven San Diego. So, um, we, we have a lot of great conversation and we're also going to break down afterwards our top 10 picks for the upcoming NFL draft. So a little bit, many of a, a little bit of a mini mock draft, um, preview for what we're going to see next week. So, uh, Corey, this should be fun. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, so let's get started. I mean, Alex Smith, uh, former number one overall pick with the 49ers, uh, he retired this past week. Um, he won. He ultimately he ultimately won uh, comeback player of the year for the NFL this past season. Um, I mean, how big is this for the NFL? Knowing, I mean, what Alex Smith did during his road to recovery and getting back on the getting back on the field. I mean, how big was that for the league? Yeah, I mean, Alex Smith just just coming back from what one of the most insane injuries. Um, and the crazy thing was, it was really after after breaking his leg and the the infection that spread throughout his leg and getting muscle moved around from his hamstring. I mean, that's just one of the craziest things. There's a documentary. I think it's an E60 documentary about his recovery, and he went to like a military grade facility to recover from this with a huge metal brace around that you've never even seen before and it's just this huge metal brace around his leg but to actually be out in the field play some games be in contention he could have played in a playoff game um this this year against the bucks but um but it, the injury held him out again um but i mean it just being able to get on the field, even even make a roster, clear physical, that is just huge. Um, and I would say, on, honestly, it's kind of a it's it, it's kind of a hero story just for a player aspect. Um, and maybe it seemed like he was kind of on his own, really, and where he was just recovering, and he really fought back and, and proved that. I mean, you can come back from whatever you put your mind to. It seems like, and you know, I think it set a huge precedent for Zach Prescott, who's coming back from a kind of a gruesome, brutal ankle injury. 
Um, and so Dak Prescott said that he saw Alex Smith recover from, from an injury like that. And he can, you know, he can, he's helping players to kind of have that mindset um, to, to come back from an injury. So huge props to Alex Smith um, for what he did throughout his career, but to kind of cap this off with his incredible injury recovery, it was just amazing to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people wrote Alex Smith off early in his career as a bust at one point. I mean, he didn't really pan out in San Francisco, but later on in his career, I mean, he was on, he, he went on a couple of playoff runs and then uh, all of a sudden Alex Smith gets hurt and Colin Kaepernick comes in during that 2012 season, uh, takes over the starting job and leads the 49ers to the Super Bowl, And that ultimately led to Alex Smith getting traded to Kansas city um, where he won. I think he won the division every single year uh, that he was there. Um, after Peyton Manning retired. So um, it was really good to see Alex Smith kind of rejuvenate his career, especially under Andy Reid. And then Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs ultimately decide to trade up to draft Patrick Mahomes, who would sit behind Alex Smith for a year and then go, he would get traded to ultimately the Washington football team. And you know, he, he's had a very consistent career. I think Alex Smith is one will, will definitely go down as one of the most underappreciated quarterbacks uh, during his, the entirety of his career, but we can't emphasize enough how, uh, how much we appreciate Alex Smith for what he did during the last couple seasons um, of his career, where he came back from that gruesome leg injury and um, ultimately led to led the Washington football team to a division title in the NFC East. Man, yeah, I mean, it's crazy to see these guys that we grew up watching play, like Philip Rivers. Um, you have Drew Brees that just retired, and now Alex Smith. So it's like it's it's kind of we we've seen the future. You know how we talk about Herbert, we talk about Patty Mahomes, we talk about Joe Burrow, all these guys that are coming up in the league. Um, and then you see now guys that we've seen play most of our whole lives, and and now they're retiring. So it's kind of crazy to see the league kind of turn over a new leaf like this. But um, so. Yeah, so it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. And then with this upcoming draft, we've got a whole new class of guys, five, another four or five guys that can really be the next Drew Brees, Alex Smith, those type of people. So yeah, yeah, definitely. And it should be the group of quarterbacks coming up is is bright. It's a very bright future for some of these quarterbacks. And I know the Chargers, uh, Justin Herbert too, will have the some one of the brightest futures out of some of the quarterbacks and in the national football league currently, but we'll get into that later, uh, in our interview with Fernando, but, um, Corey, let's talk NBA and talk, um, who our MVP is for this year. I know we've seen a bunch of guys go down with injury and, you know, it's been very, very tough to see, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the struggles that some of these NBA teams are going through with injury. I mean, and the, and the COVID protocols as well. I mean, we haven't seen a bunch of the NBA, um, it's, we haven't seen m- many NBA games get, get rescheduled recently because of COVID protocols. But I mean, Corey, uh, from what you can make of this NBA season, who is your NBA MVP for the 2020-2021 season? Yeah, I mean, I think that when you kind of look at it, you see you see Joel Embiid and you see Nikola Jokic, who are kind of, kind of maybe the frontliners of this MVP race. Um, I mean, you could also argue, too, it was LeBron in there too for a mix I feel like but being out for an injury for a while um, I feel like that kind of that went away um, but I mean it's kind of interesting too nobody really had nobody no one like uh, Donovan Mitchell has really been mentioned um, with Utah having the best record in the NBA so that one's kind of interesting um, honestly I, I who I think it should be I feel like every year who I think it should be it's never close it, it, it seems like the MVP is more of a maybe a seating a, a playoff seating and maybe a storyline 
kind of a trophy in, in a sense where you know if you if you match the storyline if you match the rankings if you match the ratings then you know that's going to be who the mvp is but a guy that i kind of would i would kind of honestly love to see this uh julius randall from the new york knicks he what he's yes. been able to do but yes. I, I don't, <laughs> yeah i don't mean he, what he has been able to do basically pull the new york knicks out of the dumps and you know from going to the lakers People thought he was going to just disappear, you know, uh, after leaving the Lakers. But he has turned, I mean, he's turned a franchise around. And he's got New York basketball, which is great for the NBA. The New York Knicks back in the basketball conversation. And I think that what he basically being a walking 30 points, 40 points a night has just been incredible. And he doesn't have that much help around him, too. So, I mean, the East is super tight right now. Um, they're only six games back or about seven games back from Philadelphia right now. Um, and so, I mean, anything can happen. I know it's going to be in the, when these playoffs come and um, with different levels of fans and we'll see how, how many fans are allowed, but Julius Randall, I mean, he has been able to just, I mean, if he doesn't win MVP, which he likely won't, but most improved player for sure. I could see that um, just what he's been able to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Julius Randall will definitely be in the conversation for most improved player. I think him being under Tom Thibodeau and him and RJ Barrett having the to the top two most minutes in the NBA played this season. Uh, it really says a lot yeah. about what Tibbs can do as a coach and uh, what some yeah. of these young guys can do as players. I mean, uh, granted, we don't want to see any injury. I mean, we've seen uh, gruesome injuries like Derek Rose, Paul George um, throughout throughout the last decade. I mean, uh, but to see Derek Rose, Taj Gibson and Tom Thibodeau re reunited, I, I mean, we can, we can say love is never dead. Am I right? I mean, Tom <laughs> Thibodeau loves those two players and, and for to see Tom Thibodeau develop Julius Randall and RJ Barrett, the way he has in New York. I mean, it says a lot about um, ultimately, ultimately what the Knicks are striving for. And I mean, right now they're sitting at the number five seed in the, um, in the Eastern conference. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely a possibility that they could win a first round series and uh, potentially yeah face the nets maybe even in the second round that, that could be a possibility if the nets do slip because they are dealing with some injuries right now yeah i mean i you know it's almost kind of a <laughs> fair to say that it, the the nets injury problem is with kd going out again harden kind of on an interesting timetable Kyrie has been missing games either for personal reasons or different outside reasons um and so the nets can be i mean fully healthy nets i think they got it for sure for sure but you look at how unpredictable the East has been. And even there's reports LaMelo Ball could be potentially returning on the Hornets um, after initially being uh, diagnosed to miss the whole year. He's cleared, I think, to play some individual on-court stuff. So, I mean, and they're sitting at the eighth seed right now. So, I mean, um, and the Pacers are, you know, a solid squad. Um, and so there's a lot. The East is, is, it's kind of the, I mean, I would say the Wild West just because of what everything's going on. But it's really the, kind of the wild east as well with how close these teams are from the one seed down to the basically seven seed um yeah so it's gonna be fun i can't wait this nba season has really flown by and so i'm but i'm it's it's gonna be fun to see yeah stretch i mean we're in agreement then that um we're gonna go over some uh, surprises and disappointments for this season for some of the nba teams but we're in congruence and that uh uh the new york knicks are, are the biggest surprise of this nba season correct 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, what the Knicks have been able to do, you know, come out of the dumps of the New York, you know, media and the New York atmosphere, um, really getting overshadowed by the Nets. Um, and yeah, I mean, that I, I got to get that credit to Tibbs, but also Julius Randle. I mean, he's got he's on the court. He's putting up 40 a night, basically. Um, yeah. So that's good. That's that's been awesome. Yeah. I mean, uh, Corey, who do you think your biggest disappointment of this NBA season is so far? You know, um, I'm, I'm kind of looking at the it's going to be interesting with, with the seven to the 10 seed playing games. Um, so th- there's a lot that could still happen with these teams that, that would, you know, kind of sway my dis- the, the, the disappointment. Um, but right now, um, honestly, I, I guess I could say the Bulls. I mean, I would say the Bulls, but but they, they just got that. They just got the trade with Vucevic. Um, but I would say, honestly, if you look at the roster, um, I would say maybe the the Pacers, because um, if they end up missing the playoffs, because they got Karis LeVert, who, but I've, he, he was out for a while, so I can say that, but Sabonis, and I feel like there's some guys that they, it should be a better team, I feel like, um, so that, that's as far as the East, but actually, too, the Raptors have slid way down to the 11 seed, um, but there, there's still a lot of basketball to say, to play, but how about you? Um, I mean, you could also argue the Celtics, too, who you thought maybe they, this would be the year to shine, they've kind of slid down to the six seed, you know, so potentially in that play in spot. So, yeah, I mean, I can, I mean, I, I, I could say the Raptors in the East, but I'm going to say new Orleans. And the reason why is yeah. um, you have a, you have a star player like Zion Williamson, who's on the, who's on the come up. I mean, you have a all-star player in Brandon Ingram, who's an efficient scorer and you have Lonzo ball, who is known as a great defender. So totaling that all up, you should be a playoff team. And that being said, I mean, the Pelicans just have to, they have to improve. They have to win some of these close games. I mean, they're going to be in a lot. They, they've been in a lot of high scoring games this season. I mean, they've allowed over 115 points a game. I mean, that's, that's not going to win you a lot of basketball games if you're allowing 115 points per game. So um, yeah. they really need to step up, step it up defensively and really, really actually guard everybody on each possession because um, these, I mean, these young players, they're, they're going to have to learn that um, they're going to have to hit their stride eventually. I mean, uh, Lonzo ball and Brandon Ingram being 22, 23 years old. I mean, they need, they need to step it up and they need to develop and uh, help these help this team win as soon as possible. I mean, they trade, they trade, they got a lot back from, uh, from the Anthony Davis trade a couple of years back, but they, they need to start winning now and they, they need to do it under Stan Van Gundy or else he's going to be gone soon as well. Yeah. I mean, you talk about MVPs too. If you look at the very bottom of the West, um, you have, we have the, um, the Rockets sitting at 15 and 44. So you talk about James Harden MVP. I mean, he leaves the Rockets, boom, they're sitting at 15 and 44 completely out of any playoff contention, any race. So it's like, yeah. I mean, the, the MVP race is very interesting because it's like, for me, it's like, okay, well you take this guy off what happens to the team, you know? And so, so if, if you look at James Harden, you know, this team slides all the way, they go from, you know, potential Western conference finals to, okay, 15 wins for 15 wins for the entire season. So, um, but yeah, the, yeah. So we'll see who ends up winning it, but um, a lot of basketball, a lot of fun basketball left to be played. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> and we also have a, a fun interview coming up too with um, like yeah. we mentioned earlier with uh, Fernando Ramirez of, the beat writer for the chargers with sports illustrated. I mean, Corey, what do you, uh, do you want to give everyone a preview of what to expect in this interview and you know how authentic it was to have uh, Fernando on the show? 
Yeah, I mean, this has been something that we've been talking about ever since the the season, ever since we brought back the dagger onto uh, into a podcast form. And so it was great to, you know, you got to intern with him over at NBC7 San Diego. Um, and I got to meet him just uh, at going to Chargers practices. And just immediately he was like one of the, you know, quickest guys that I got to know. He was so open, you know, just great personality, great energy, was always chalking it up with NFL players um, and just a great interviewer, great journalist. Um, and so super excited to, to have him on. So we had a great conversation and also huge shout out for him carving out, you know, a good chunk of time out of his day to, you know, we got a guy from Sports Illustrated, you know, on our show, um, you know, a big time, you know, in the industry you know, with the Chargers, been been covering the Chargers for about eight years. I think it's been total. Um, so in, in this whole landscape of sports journalism. But yeah, so super fun to have Fernando on. Yeah, I mean, one of the most authentic guys in the business, definitely. And um, yeah, I mean, it was it was it, it, it was it was it was a fun interview. And I, I don't want to talk any much longer, but uh, I'll lead in with yeah. that. So here's Fernando and enjoy. All right, we are here with the one and only uh, Fernando Ramirez. He's the current beat writer for the LA Chargers. We are also, he was also my intern, or I was his intern at uh, NBC7 San Diego when he was a sports producer there. And he's the co-host of the Compass on the Beat with Gilbert Manzano. Fernando, welcome to the Dagger. Bro. I was your intern, really? <laughs> Look no, at this fool. And I cover them for SI, so just FYI. He forgot that little beat or that little part, but Justin, we're just running over ourselves today, aren't we? Is it too yeah. early for you? You good? No, I mean, hey, you guys got it earlier out there than I do. So, yeah, SI, uh, yeah, so he's uh, Fernando's with SI, and he's he's been out there. This is his first season there. Uh, so, Fernando, welcome. Welcome to the show. Uh, we have a lot to go over today including your journey and you know you've had quite a journey to uh sports journalism especially with the charters so let's get into that and kind of just ask like what what inspired you to get into this business of sports journalism and specifically with the charters i love how you said how, the way you said the uh the your show name the dagger yeah that was awesome that's that's actually pretty cool um, hi, Corey. Nice to see you. I've only heard this fool talking, but uh, yeah, as you guys can tell, I'm very comfortable with Justin. I mean, uh, he, he was uh, an intern down there in San Diego for me for, well, for us for a, a while. So we're pretty comfortable in Corey, I would see at uh, Chargers practices. So Corey knows the way I treat Justin. It's all good here. We're friends. Yeah, uh, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> so, uh, no, I just I didn't know what I wanted to do. So that's why I didn't go to a four year university coming out of high school. Um, didn't know what I wanted to do kind of was, I mean, I was one of those Mexican kids that, Oh, I want to be a doctor. Yeah. Right. 10 years, <laughs> uh, going to school. No, thanks. Um, start looking around. Don't really know. I went to a, 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 a job fair at San Diego city college and, um, and I see that they had sports or they had journalism and I'm like, Hmm. I mean, I watch first take, I watch all these, uh, I mean, now they're brain dead shows just cause now that I'm in the business, I'm like, Oh, these shows kind of these shows yeah. <laughs> exciting. Uh, so I, I watched all those shows and everything and I was like, you know what? I mean, I could do something like that. So I remember I, I discovered that that's what I wanted to do. And I start, um, I go to the, to the newspaper, uh, teacher and I tell him, Hey, I'd love to join 
do sports. He's like, oh, we're actually looking for a sports reporter. I'm like, okay, cool. He's like, why don't you go write a story? And I'm like, okay. So I go write a story, and I come back to him, and I show it to him, and he's like, okay, there's some grammatical errors, but, dude, this is good stuff. And I'm like, really? I was always good in English. Like, I loved English. I love when we had to write stories, build stories, do fun stuff like that. And he's like, dude, this is this is good work. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So then I go and I do another one. <clears throat> and he's like, yeah, dude, just keep it going. I'm like, all right, cool. So then uh, one of my teachers tells me, hey, um, there's an another teacher. I was in a um, uh, script writing for news uh, with Laura Castaneda. And she's like, hey, um, she's like, you should think about uh, there's an internship right now. There's an there was an internship with like a PR company. It was called Pro Player Insiders, or it is called Pro Player Insiders. So they kind of cover camps for players and stuff like that. They're more PR. And then she's like, are you interested? It kind of gets your foot in the door in the NFL. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll try it. Why not? So um, I, I was uh, assigned to one of the reporters, Teresa Villano, who had just moved to San Diego from Buffalo. And she was going to start uh, covering kind of the Chargers and the camps out here in San Diego. So I started doing that started meeting some of the players, started meeting like DJ Fluker, uh, Manti Teo, Keenan Allen. They had just been drafted. So obviously I started um, I started working with her and kind of covering that stuff. And that's kind of what drew me to journalism in a sense. And then um, I started I did a internship with the Chargers uh, Spanish radio uh, radio group with Jorge Villanueva and Dante Lascano. And I started interning with them and I started getting closer and closer with the team and and I just, it, it was something that I was falling in love with. So I was still doing my school stuff. I actually, it's funny because I actually moved to Long Beach. Uh, I got I got into CSU Long Beach and I was still coming back and forth to cover the team. So every weekend I would come down to the games. Uh, I would try and come down for practices. So I'd try and schedule most of my classes on uh, Monday and Tuesday so that Wednesday and Thursday I could come down, do stuff like that, go to practices and stuff. So, I mean, to not make a story super long, but that's just how I fell in love with it. And then when I was in school, I just really liked it. And at Long Beach, and I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. So slowly but surely, I started getting, uh, I started gaining more and more momentum. And, and pretty soon I was, uh, I was, uh, I covered the move up to LA. Um, I did all that stuff. So it was, it was really interesting, but really what got my foot in the door was, um, I was, I had just graduated I was in Europe and MJ uh, Acosta, who now works for NFL Total Access, she was a reporter there at San NBC San Diego. She calls me and she goes, hey, um, she goes, hey, there's a job opening here. Are you interested? And I said, yeah, like I didn't know what I was going to do. I mean, I had sent 300 applications out, hadn't heard from anybody. So I was like, yeah, I want to do it. And so I'm, I got in there and then that's how I kind of started working my way uh, up. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so but it's great to have you on the show. It's been a lot has changed with it. the Chargers organization. Um, I got like, like you mentioned, I got to meet you at going to Chargers practices on, on you know, a weekly basis. Um, but for, for guys like me and, and JP, I think that the un unsung heroes of the NFL are the beat writers because you guys are there putting in the work, seeing practices. Um, I mean, it's crazy too. the last time I saw you, uh, Chargers head coach, Anthony Lynn, Philip Rivers is still the quarterback, Melvin Gordon, Hunter Henry is still on the team. Uh, so a lot has changed, but can you kind of talk about your day-to-day -day stuff, being a beat writer and how, just kind of how much work it goes into it, you know, on a weekly basis throughout the season? 
Corey, if you want to go far in this business, don't don't associate yourself with JP. Don't, don't <laughs> no. do that. I mean, if you want to go far, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> so uh, obviously, I, I yeah, I think we're the most connected. I mean, you have your Ian's, you have your Adam Schefter's, you have your Tom Palacero's, but we're the ones that are around the team every single day. We kind of we understand what's going on, um, and I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, no, definitely. I feel like we're not looked at as much as like those national guys, which is fine. I mean, we have a job to do and we, and I feel like as a chargers unit, we do our jobs well. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, no, basically I, I love, um, I, I kind of like the direction that the team's heading. I think they've done some great stuff. I mean, Justin Herbert, I mean, man, I, 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 I thought he was going to be the best quarterback out of and last year. I was looked at it like I was crazy because I said, I think Justin Herbert's going to be the best quarterback out of this draft. And people looked at me and they were like, no, I don't think so. He's, you know, the typical crap. I mean, he's, um, he's an introvert. He's, uh, he's not a leader. He's not this, he's not that. But then you see, and then you talk to him and you're like, wait, this sounds like a leader. And then you start talking to the teammates and yeah, he's a leader. So, I mean, slowly, but surely you start seeing all of his leadership qualities and everything. So I'm like, wow, okay. Justin is, legit he knows what he's doing um so it was good to see that and then the team obviously now brandon saley's the head coach it's going to be interesting to see the way they kind of uh that he kind of comes in i thought brandon was going to try and go after a, a a veteran coach maybe a wade phillips as a defensive coordinator kind of take a little bit off of his plate but no brandon wants to come in he wants to be the the he got a defensive coordinator but him and his defensive coordinator are gonna uh share the the duties of calling play so hey that's gonna be really interesting for a first time head coach it'll it'll be interesting to see how he does that i think also he wants to work with justin he really does and it's funny because bill belichick i heard bill would sit down with tom brady ever since he was a rookie and he would show him his practice video. He'd show him everything. He'd show him the way defenses think. He explained it to him. That's why Tom Brady became, and I mean, it's obviously Tom wanting to become great, but that's one of the reasons. So I feel like Justin and Brandon are already off to a good start. If Brandon can show him, because Brandon's an ex-quarterback. He was a quarterback in, I think, at Mercyhurst, some um, college. I can't remember what it was called. But he was a quarterback, so he understands how quarterbacks work. And then at the same time, he's a defensive coordinator, so he knows how defenses are going to attack certain things. Justin last year had a very good um, last year had a very good rookie year, but he did make mistakes. There were some games where you're like, "Oh crap, what is going on?" The Carolina game, but that was only a second game. But really, what I point out to is the AFC East. He faced the Bills, the Patriots, and the Dolphins. The Jets game, he had almost a perfect quarterback rating, so yeah, I don't that. that game. But those three games, they were disguising their coverages. They would go from cover – they would show cover cover zero, and then they cover zeros when they have no safety up top. And then they would sh like they would look like they were going to blitz, so Justin would call out of something. And then they would uh, – obviously, it was a fake blitz. They would drop back into cover three. And Justin kind of didn't know what was going on. Even Keenan Allen said after the game, I felt like we were confused. People thought that was, that was towards Justin. That wasn't towards Justin. That was towards something and somebody else, I won't say. Uh. But that was who he was talking about. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, no, I definitely think that he's going to – those are the three games that I would dissect the most if I was Brandon Saley and I would show Justin what he could have done differently because those games are, are crucial. 
But um, but yeah, no, I, I feel like I like the direction where they're going. They're fixing the offensive line. That is key. When you're fixing this offensive line, it it, it really you really need to get it fixed because of last year Justin was under duress. He was sacked 32 times. He was hit a couple more. There was times where he was on the floor and we're like, oh crap, like is he getting up? And he would get up and you're like, oh, okay, there you go. But uh, especially with what happened to Joe Burrow, you had to get this offensive line fixed. So, um, so yeah, the, the draft is going to be very interesting to see the way the Chargers, are they going to go offensive line? I mean, to me, it's Penesu. Well, I mean, we're probably going to get uh, started in draft talk, so I won't, I won't get into it yet. I won't, uh, I, I won't get it started, but definitely it's a different change. But being a beat writer, I mean, is awesome just because uh, you're covering the team, you're doing all this stuff. Obviously, this was my first, like, official year as a beat writer. And it sucked because of COVID and, and having to do everything virtually and not being able to be in person and stuff. So um, we've actually never met Justin in person. So uh, it'll be interesting when we finally get to hopefully knock on knock on wood, we get to meet him in person. Um, but honestly, like you said, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of change. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see the way the team kind of goes this year. But getting to cover them, I mean, honestly, uh, is awesome. And, and it's it's a privilege, honestly, that I. Uh, and it's an honor and I, I love doing it. Yeah, no, that, that's awesome. The beat writer stuff is like, you really, when you think about it, you know, you guys are at the locker room every single day. Um, you know, I guess that was before COVID too, when I got to see you, but yeah. the, the zoom thing is interesting because I wonder if, and I guess we can get into, into this later, but if press conferences will ever go back to the normal pre COVID stuff, or will it be all zoom? Um, I don't know if that, I, I, yeah. I think we're slowly kind of getting towards that. I don't know if you guys saw, but when Dak Prescott signed his contract, uh, the, oh, right, yeah. the Dallas Cowboys had a press conference in person um, and it was socially distanced chairs and everything. So I think we are slowly getting to that point. Uh, maybe this season it'll be just podium stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. Probably not a locker room sc uh, scrum like it used to be. Because, I mean, you saw like especially I mean, you I think you were there, Corey, when Melvin Gordon came back last year. Yeah. How many yeah, people how many people weren't on top of him? Like, I think it was easily 30 people. Yeah, just a Not swarm more. of yeah, it a swarm, was a swarm of, of people. I mean, I remember yeah. I was on top of, I was like on the bench. I think I was like on top of the bench, of <laughs> something, and I was like getting over and trying to get video of him and stuff. So, um, so yeah, no, I definitely think those are gonna be a little bit limited. I think it's gonna be podium stuff, uh, probably for the majority of this season. So it's gonna be interesting uh, to kind of see the way uh, this progresses. Yeah, kind of along that point too. Um, being in the locker room and seeing, being at these games, you've walked across people, you, and you've talked with people that are future Hall of Famers or current Hall of Famers too. Um, one thing I want to pick out too is uh, your talk with Deion Sanders from a couple of years ago, uh, and he and he talked about your your hair and everything like that. So, yeah. um, how do you? It seems Deion. It seems like he's just such a cool guy all around. But how do you kind of handle? you know, seeing these Hall of Famers and, and talking to these high profile players on a basically on a daily basis. I mean, honestly, like the only one that's ever starstruck me is Kobe. Everybody mm. else have kind of been like, uh, I've been like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I, I, I mean, at one point you just kind of have to uh, like, I mean, I've interviewed, I mean, I've been at a press conference where LeBron's there. I've been, uh, I've gotten Luke Walton, kind of guys like that. I've been, like you said, around Deion Sanders, Michael Irvin, Kurt Warner. I mean, honestly, if you treat them like people, that's all they care about. I mean, they don't want to be treated as stars and stuff like that because at the end of the day, they kind of are your colleagues because now you're 
their reporters, not reporters, but their analysts and stuff like that. So, I mean, it was awesome. It was an awesome moment. Like when Dion said that, I was like, I hope I freaking recorded that. Oh, yeah. That was just awesome. So I was glad yeah. I recorded it. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I definitely, uh, I definitely was happy I recorded that. Uh, it was, it was interesting though, because it was a whirlwind. I had done so much stuff before, cause this was a year ago. So in Miami. Mm. So I remember I had just done the Super Bowl. I get back a couple of days later, I go do WrestleMania 37, the announcement. And I mean, I have the picture of uh, Becky Lynch, I think. Yeah, right there. yeah, there it is. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm talking yeah. to Becky Lynch and everything. And she was, dude, she was, when I tell you she was awesome, she was awesome. Um, and the, and I, I got to interview Roman Reigns there too. And that was the last time that I was in an in-person setting like that where we just got to uh. talk to the wrestlers. I, I think three weeks after that, everything got shut down. So you're like, crap. So now yeah. I take those and that's why I put a picture up because I'm like, damn, like that was awesome. Like getting to meet Becky Lynch and talking to her and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, no, definitely. I, I, there have been, and I mean, like John Cena, John Cena starstruck me when he was at the mm -hmm. Padres game. I was like, Oh crap, it's John Cena. Like, <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah. So it was just one of those things where, um, where, I mean, you kind of have to keep a level head just because you know, you're there to do a job and you're there to work. So everything like that. So, I mean, I just, I, I, and it's funny because I mean, I like you sometimes can get starstruck, but at the beginning I did. Like when mm -hmm. I first got into the locker room and I'm talking to Eric Weddle, I'm talking to Antonio Gates. I mean, you're interviewing some of these guys. You're like, oh, wow, like this is incredible. And then little by little, you start saying, oh, well, it's a job. Like I'm here to do this. Like I have to make sure that I'm professional at all times, all that stuff. I mean, I've never asked for an autograph. I've never asked for any of that stuff just because uh, it's not professional. So it's one of those things where, I mean, yeah, if a, co-worker of mine ends up taking a picture of me while they're recording or stuff like that and i'm like oh okay cool yeah i'll use it but like i never i rarely if ever ask uh for a picture or anything like that just because i i don't think it's professional but it's it's fun i mean some of the people that i've got to meet i, I like sometimes i like <laughs> sometimes i'll go through my instagram like feed and i'll be like oh crap i did interview this person i'm like <laughs> wow that's incredible so just things like that but honestly it's it's i've been very 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 lucky and very blessed with the people that have helped me get through the door and kind of have mentored me and stuff like that. So I've honestly been very lucky. Yeah. I mean, Fernando, I mean, just during your almost 10 years with being around the team, I mean, what's been the most, what's been the best part uh, that you've remembered from covering the chargers and what's been the most difficult part about uh, uh, being around the team? Most difficult having you as an intern. <laughs> I heard no, about that. No, <laughs> <laughs> no um, uh, the, the funnest part is, I mean, just getting to talk to the players. I mean, it's been awesome getting to like, I love telling stories. I think that's my, like, that's my thing. I love doing that kind of stuff. Um, that's why when I was at NBC, I love sometimes that when I got to put, and I mean, even if it wasn't aired on TV, I'd love building packages because I'd love telling stories about whatever was going on. So I love doing that stuff. Um, one of my favorite stories was actually uh, this kid that went to my brother's, uh, he went to elementary school with my brother. My brother ended up going to private school after that. Um, but he was trying to get into the NFL. He went to a division two uh, college. He's trying to get into the NFL. He was working at it. Um, and I, I went to school with his sister and I messaged his sister. I'm like, hey, your brother is trying to get into the NFL, right? She's like, yeah, why? I'm like, can I do a story on him? She's like, oh my God, are you serious? 
I'm like, yeah. She's like, that would be amazing. So last year, uh, obviously the shutdown had happened. It was right before the draft. So I started talking to him. I do the story on him and I interview him and everything. I put together the story and it's like literally his journey. Like he was sneaking into high schools around San Diego, trying to get workouts in stuff like that. Like he's like, sometimes the cops would come and I'd have to like run and take off running and stuff like that. So I'm like, or well, security, their security guards would be like, Hey, get out of here and uh and all that so he's like i would sneak into into high schools i would try and do whatever i could to work out and and get fit and everything so i told his story and it was just awesome and i remember he texted me he's like my mom like has been crying for the last 10 minutes and i'm like well that's what it is that's what i love like i love telling stories i love doing stuff like that this last year um obviously with the pandemic and everything we can't talk to players in the locker room without i mean obviously like you can't talk to them one-on-one -on -one, so it all has to be so everybody i mean at times that was also oh, going back to your question justin that was a difficult part this year a lot of our stories were similar just because it was predicated on who the charges would give us and basically the stories that we were right were there were every each had a different twist to them but it was pretty the topic was like oh justin herbert and everybody had justin herbert so that was a difficult part but <laughs> excuse me uh the fun part was this year i mean i reached out to justin herbert's dad and i was like hey i'd love to do a story on when you saw justin go in and and um and play quarterback and everything for that kansas city game he's like yeah yeah call me up so his dad and i uh we start talking or whatever for about 30 40 minutes and then uh he's like oh and i'm like oh we haven't started the interview yet he's like oh yeah let's get that out of the way so we had been talking for just 30 40 minutes and then we start the interview and he's just a great great guy i can tell why justin is such a humble kid comes from a great family so i did a story on him uh, i don't know if you guys remember on hard knocks Braden fayoko uh who did the haka uh yeah yeah the haka yeah. so i talked to him about his journey and everything and and kind of because he went to lsu um he grew up knowing Junior Seout as his uncle. That was Uncle yeah. Junior, all that stuff. Because Junior Seout and his dad were best friends. So did a story on him. So just little stories like that um, are honestly awesome. And, and I, I've really enjoyed doing them. So I, that's what I really like to do. I think I find that so much fun. I love doing stories like that. So, um, so yeah, I think that's the best part about it. The worst part just this was just this season. The worst part was having to rely on uh, the chargers for uh, to get us players and stuff like that. So like we would always get the same, not the same players. We would always get uh, the same lineup and it's like, you can't go into the locker room and you can't talk to guys and have different stories. Like I can't talk to Rayshon Jenkins. I can't talk to so-and-so without the chargers having them on zoom. So I feel like that was kind of the difficult part about this season. Yeah. I mean, you bring up a great point too, is like, you know, we're all sports fans, but I feel like kind of deep down that we're all, we all have to tell stories and, and talk to people. And, you know, even, even if it's just catching up off the record too, but then also getting into the professional part of it, it's super fun. Um, but I kind of want to talk about the stadiums as with the Chargers that they've had some upgrade, you know, they've had, they had a major upgrade this past year, um, going back all the way to Qualcomm and, and San Diego, then down to the uh, Dignity Health Sports Complex, which that was kind of a crazy experience. And then now to SoFi Stadium, kind of my first question would be, um, what is it like just seeing we've heard so much about it but it's kind of been everything's been building up you know there hasn't been able to be official real nfl fans in there yet so what is it like for people you know that might not have seen so far or you know what's it like to be in there um and then the second part would be um will the chargers be able to fill it with their fan with the la charger fans um down the road um 
when you get into SoFi, you're just, it's funny because it's, it's, it, they dug into the ground and they, they dug it below sea level. So wow. when you get in, it's like, you're, you're kind of going in into the middle of the stadium and then you look down and you're like, oh crap, like this thing is humongous. It really is huge. Um, I think that the stadium is incredible. I, I went to the Raiders one this year too. I've been to uh, I've been to the 49ers one and I've been to uh, Jerry's World. And this one like is just wow. Like obviously the Jumbotron on in Jerry's World just gets you and you're like, "Oh crap." But yeah. I feel like this one is just unique. I feel like uh, the Oculus that they have is awesome. Uh, it's funny they're playing games for us like before the uh, before before the actual Chargers game starts, they have like uh, they have all these games on at the top of it. So like you're working, and at the same time you're kind of looking up to see what the scores of the games are and stuff. That's awesome. honestly, it's 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 an incredible stadium. It's just it's awesome. I feel like fans are really gonna love it when they get in. Um, I think this Saturday or Saturday, um, what's today? Saturday the twenty fourth. Charger fans are gonna be able to go in season ticket holders and check out their seats and all that stuff. And they're going to get to hear from Justin Herbert, um, the Brandon Saley and stuff like that. So I feel like that's going to be the first time that charger fans get to go into SoFi. But when it comes to the going in for the games, I feel like we're underrating a little bit, kind of um, the level that Justin Herbert, I feel like Justin Herbert is going to bring, is going to put, uh, I mean, I think Stone Cold said it best, asses and seats. I think yeah. Justin Herbert is going to put yeah. asses and seats, really. And I feel mm. like the organization's kind of counting on him, too, in a sense. Because uh, we knew Philip Rivers sometimes put uh, butts and seats and everything. But I feel like Justin might have a huge impact in it. Uh, just the way last year he was able to – he he kind of built a relationship with the Chargers fans, even without them being in person. Um them being really disconnected from him because he was uh because of COVID and everything they couldn't see him up front so they saw him on tv they saw him uh they saw him with all that stuff but they didn't get to see him in person and i feel like he built a relationship with charger fans just based off of his passion for the game i remember one game he's like he was you could tell he was pissed off after the game and he said i want to be the best quarterback i can for the la chargers i'm not going to stop until i i do stuff like that so stuff like that i felt like slowly gained the love of the chart because i mean it's hard you go from dan fouts to philip rivers philip rivers is here for years and you thought will there be a quarterback that can gain the love and respect of the chargers fans the way philip rivers did and it seems like justin has and he's done it quickly so um so honestly yeah. it just uh it's interesting to see the way he's kind of done and then uh doing the whole traeger brisk victory brisket i feel like oh, that yeah. really gained a lot of fans i feel like fans really fell for that kind of not fell for it but like they really took in what justin was uh putting out there i feel like fans know he's humble he's a good guy and i feel like they've really been attracted to him and they love him so i believe that this year uh and especially because the chargers are going to be selling their tickets a little bit cheaper than the Rams. I feel like a lot more people are going to want to go see the Chargers. I feel like regardless, butts are going to be in seats just because uh, whenever teams come out here, like if uh, the Pittsburgh, when Pittsburgh comes out here, there's going to be Steelers fans. Honestly, when you tell me, when you ask me, are, do you feel like Charger fans will fill it? I feel like there's going to be a lot of Charger fans, 
But at the same time, I feel like there's going to be other fans as well, just because mm-hmm. San Diego's only two hours away. San Diego's a military town. There's a lot of people that are Steelers fans, that are Green Bay fans, that are this, that are that fans. And they're going to naturally get attracted to go to SoFi to go watch their team if that's the closest place that they can. That's why people forget when they were in San Diego, yeah, there was a lot of Charger fans, but there was also opposing fans because it is a military town. So fans yeah. would of other teams would buy tickets and they'd go and they'd watch their opposing team. I remember one game, uh, the Chargers stadium was filled with orange, and I'm like, oh, well, I made nothing of it. Why? Because, I mean, hey, opposing fans sometimes they're willing to pay so much money that fans, Charger fans are like, oh, sh- shoot, I can get – uh, three hundred dollars for my seats when I only paid a hundred. Heck, here you go. So, uh, and yeah. I mean, I don't blame them for it. So, honestly, it's gonna be very interesting to see if they can fill it completely up with Charger fans and just some of the other fans. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely think that the Chargers have kind of made uh, a little bit of noise in in LA, and I feel like if they can really go on a playoff run this year or possibly next year. I feel like that's really going to help them. At the end of the day, though, I feel like neither team really has a stronghold on the LA fan base. I still think it's Dodgers and La- or Lakers and Dodgers. I think the first team that wins the Super Bowl in Los Angeles will really gain the love and the respect of Los Angeles. So, first team, I yeah. I feel like it's a competition kind of first team that gains yeah. that gets that trophy, uh, gains the fans. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Fernando. Um... The Chargers lost a lot of notable names this offseason. Hunter Henry, Casey Hayward, Melvin Ingram is still a free agent. But, I mean, how much pressure do you think is on general manager Tom Telesco to really nail this draft class and to get this coaching staff right for the upcoming season? Yeah, you're trying to get me in trouble, you suck. I know what you're trying to do. I'm going to be honest. I mean – you you fired two head coaches normally a general manager does not get a third head coach selection or hiring if they haven't made it to at least an afc championship tom telesco has not um the mike mccoy and mike mccoy and anthony lynn started off very well their tenures first two years great records winning records playoff appearances the next two years, it kind of fell apart. I don't know if that's Tom Telesco. I don't know if that's John Spanos. I don't know if it's just the coaches not being able to handle it. Don't know what it is, but something's going on. So I do think there's a lot of pressure just because you fired two head coaches already. The talent is there, but there's some failed draft classes. All the 2017 draft classes basically gone except for Mike Williams. Mike Williams deserves more respect, though, by the way, for mm. all you listeners out there. I feel like he's a clutch player. I feel like he's a very good receiver, and I feel like he gets uh, crapped on a lot, and I don't think he deserves it. I think he's actually a really good player. Um, Mike Williams is the only one left. Austin Eckler is obviously a part of that draft class, too, um, because he was a running undrafted running back. Uh, so they're, they're the only guys left. Um, the 2019 draft class is uh, – is me- is pedestrian at best their best player was drew tranquil jerry tillery hasn't lived up to what his billing is um then you look at nausea Adderley made a lot of mistakes last year i don't know if he's gonna be how good he's gonna be i really do think that he has to nail this and i feel like this draft class if he if he really doesn't hit 
if he really doesn't hit, then it's going to be bad. That's why I've been saying, and I've been writing, and I've been doing, and then Charger fans, I mean, they can go down, my, uh, they can uh, they can say whatever they want, but Tom Telesco cannot reach in this draft. There's no way. I'm not a big, I, I think Christian Derrissaw is good, but I don't think he's 13th, uh, the 13th overall uh, selection. I feel like they need to, um, I think they need to hit with this. That's why I've written that I wouldn't be surprised if Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, I wouldn't be surprised if the drafted the charge drafted either one of those guys. If JC, if okay, so the way I see this, it's Panay Saul and Rashawn Slater, and then there's a little there's a drop off between the next tackles that are good. I think it is JC Horn, Patrick Sertan, and a little bit of a space, and then Caleb Farley, and then there's a drop off when it comes to cornerback. So I think those are their two most pressing needs. I think the third would be pass rusher. I think Quiddy Pay is from Michigan. It's him. Then there's a drop off, and then there's some other guys. So if those three guys, or if those three positions are all gone, I really do think the Charger will look. People are saying, oh, they could trade back. I've never seen Tom Telesco in any of his drafts in eight years. He's never traded back. I've never, I've never seen him do that. I don't expect him to trade back. I'll tell you one thing. I've been hearing a lot of noise about them possibly trading up. I could see that. I think Tom Telesco needs a home run. If he can, if Panay Sewell, because I, I truly do think that Cincinnati is going to go Jamar Chase. I really do believe they're going to go Jamar Chase. And I feel like if Miami passes on Panay and they go Kyle Pitts or they go, because I think a quarterback is going to be selected fourth. So if they go Kyle Pitts with the sixth overall pick, I wouldn't be surprised if the Chargers jumped up to seven with Detroit or eight with Carolina and they got Panay Sewell or they got Rashawn Slater. I think they like Panay Sewell more just because of the Justin Herbert effect. Um, I feel like Justin really loves Panay. I feel like Justin trusts Panay and I feel like Panay would really solidify this offensive line. Obviously the Chargers still have a little bit of holes on the offensive line. Who's going to play right guard? Is it going to be Ode Obougier or are they going to draft a guy? I wouldn't be surprised though if the Chargers don't go heavy on defense in this draft. So maybe they trade up, they grab, uh, they grab him they trade a fourth rounder and maybe their first rounder next year. They don't have a first round draft pick. So that means next year, I don't have to work the first night of uh, the draft, uh, <laughs> but they could do that. And then maybe day two, they start going defense because there's this, this class is deep in corners and it's deep in receivers. So, so I really feel like the chargers. Um, I really feel like the charger in a good position. If they can come away with, the first two days of the draft, they come out with Panay Sewell, maybe an Asante Samuel Jr. And then, um, I don't know, the third day, maybe they come out, out with a pass rusher or something like that, or the safety from uh, UCF, uh, Richie Grant. If they can come away with something like that, then damn, you, you just hit on the draft. Now, obviously, when they get on the field, it's going to be a different story. But I really do feel like Tom Telesco needs an A plus draft, and I feel like he hasn't had one. I mean, obviously the experts will tell you it's A pluses and stuff like that, but really, when it comes down to the nitty gritty, it's not. Even last year's draft class seems a little bit weak compared to previous years. And I know Justin Herbert's on it, Kenneth Murray, yeah, but Justin Herbert, Kenneth Murray, and then there's a drop off. So really, <laughs> Tom Telesco needs a hit. This is probably going to be the if if he can hit, this would probably be his best draft class ever. If he's able to get guys that are really going to go in there and play a lot of the guys that he selected last year. A lot of them didn't play Joshua Kelly played at the beginning 
Then he really he dropped off a little bit. Uh, Joe Reed, for some reason, almost never played. Uh, KJ Hill rarely ever played. So there's guys that rarely ever played, and you're kind of like, mm, what's going on? So, yeah, Tom Telesco needs an A-plus. They have nine selections unless they obviously trade up. But you have to get nine ballers, nine guys that are going to help your team. And like I said, I feel like they might go defensive heavy on this one. Yeah, I mean, like you were saying, it's kind of that race to the Super Bowl. And, yeah, Tom Telesco is a huge part of that. But I think you kind of answered my question about kind of the A-plus draft and that you bringing up that 13, maybe trading up to get to go grab a guy like Panay Sewell, it that would be a huge game changer, I think, and, and to kind of bolster that offensive line for Herbert. Um, but yeah, so that, that so that would pretty much be your A-plus 13th pick or maybe yeah, higher yeah. potentially. Yeah, I, I really don't see Rashawn Slater or uh, or Panay. Panay for sure is not dropping to the Chargers. I I don't know hmm. if, I don't know if he, if, um, I don't know if, Rashawn, I really don't think he's going to slide past Carolina. I think if the Chargers, I know there's other ways that they can get an A plus. If they stay there at 13 and they get JC Horn, then damn, you got an A plus. Mm-hmm. If they get Patrick Sertan, you got an A plus. Like those two guys are really uh, A plus kind of guys. Um, obviously, like Waddle has that knee injury. Devontae Smith is a little bit smaller, but I just think either one of those guys would really help this offense. I think the Chargers lack speed on offense. I feel like that's really what left tackle and speed is what they're really missing. And I feel like Devontae Smith or, or Waddle would really help that. I feel like Waddle compares to Tyreek Hill. And I feel like if Tyreek Hill was on the Chargers, I feel like the Chargers would be unstoppable on offense mm-hmm. just because you have the shiftiness of Keenan Allen. You have the big playability of Mike Williams down the field. And then you have uh, an energizer bunny at receiver. So I really feel like the Chargers are missing that. I feel like they thought Joe Reed was going to be it, but I feel like Joe Reed is more of a gadget player. I feel like they could use him kind of like uh, Debo Samuel or who's that receiver now on the 49ers? It's not Debo. It's another. They got another guy too last year. I just can't remember his I, name. I, oh, is that the uh, Aiku or? Um, yeah, yeah, that guy. That I, guy. That guy yeah, yeah, that guy was a really shifty guy also, and he he plays really well. They play him at different positions. I feel like the Chargers really could do something like that. So. When it comes down to the nitty gritty of it, I feel like there are ways to help this uh, this offense out and this defense. So if you can get J.C. Horn, if you can get Patrick Sertan, A+. If you can get Panay Sewell or Rashawn Slater. I just keep on hearing more Sewell than Slater when it comes to the Chargers. So mm-hmm. I, I'm really interested to see. I, everything starts with, with Atlanta. Whatever Atlanta does mm-hmm. is really going to uh, make people scramble. Like if they go and they get Trey Lance or um, – or Justin Fields, I yeah. feel like there's going to be a fat scramble for, um, well, even Mac Jones, because I'm not completely sold on Mac Jones of the 49ers, just because Mac Jones reminds me a lot of Jimmy G. Um, I, and I, mm-hmm. I've been hearing it's going to be Justin, so Justin Fields going there. Yes. So, I mean, anything can happen, obviously. But I feel like if Atlanta takes a quarterback, then everybody's going to freak out and it's going to get crazy. And I feel like Denver will try and move up and try and grab a guy. Um. I truly think that Cincinnati or Atlanta is going to get everything started. But if, if Cincinnati goes and they, like I said, they select, um, if they select uh, Jamar chase, I feel like that's where the Chargers really are going to be like, Oh crap, we can go get one of these guys. We just have to give up our first rounder next year. And that's the thing. I'm not saying Telesco is going to go all in. I feel like he should in a sense, go all in. And I'm not saying go all in and be reckless and, give up draft picks and do kind of what the Rams have done. And I'm, I, what the Rams have done is not reckless because they've gotten Jalen Ramsey. They've gotten some good players, but the Rams don't have a first round draft pick for a while. So, I mean, 
my thing is is Tom Telesco, you can't think about next year. You have to think about this year. And I know he's a guy that thinks four years down the line. He needs to think about this year and kind of what he needs to do um, with this draft because uh, you, you you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring for you if, you if you're him just because if this team really doesn't perform this year, you might be the guy that uh, is next just because there's no, there's no other person. Like you can't what, – what, Dean's going to fire John Spanos? He's not going to fire him. So who would they look at? They would look at Tom. So, I mean, and that's just the reality yeah. of it. So I feel like slowly but surely Tom is kind of noticing, hey, I, I, I kind of need a hit here because, I mean, and obviously every year you want to hit. But, um, but yeah, so definitely I think Tom needs a, a, an A-plus draft or an A at least. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, Fernando, the Falcons, you mentioned the Falcons trading up for uh, a quarterback and, you know, there's obviously one of the best tight end prospects on the board still in Kyle Pitts and losing Hunter Henry and this this past offseason. Do you see Telesco going out and trading up for a guy like Kyle Pitts or do you see just I mean, do you see just an O-liner cornerback uh, acquisition in the draft? I really just see O. Oh, no, well, I don't just see O-line or anything. I, some mock draft the other day that I saw has Kyle Pitts falling into the Chargers lap at 13. I'm like, SOB. I'm like, can you imagine if that fool just fell into the Chargers' lap? They would take him, uh, no strings attached, and I know they'd do it. Yeah. I think Kyle Pitts would really change the. And you know what's funny is before the four game win streak, the Chargers were right there at three. They were going to select third. Uh, it was, oh, it was painting up to be incredible. And this is what I was going to, I'm going to write about next week. But um, I feel like, regardless of what happens in this draft, fans can't be angry that the charge went on that four game win streak it really helped justin out a lot yeah justin was very clutch in those games and 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 you know what's funny justin had had clutch moments before this the new orleans game very clutch tampa bay game clutch even when tampa bay was breathing down their necks he was still making plays so he had some very clutch plays the only thing is the team hadn't been able to finish them out against atlanta against denver and against kansas city and there was another one I can't remember who they played. Oh, Las Vegas. Uh, against those four teams. Well, not the Kansas City one, because they kind of blew out Kansas City at one point, but obviously Patrick Mahomes and all them weren't playing. But in those three games, they were down towards the end of the game. He had no Keenan Allen. He had no Mike Williams for some of them. And he really made plays at the end of the game to put themselves in a position to win the game by field goal. Yes, it catapulted them up to 13. But what Justin learned was a valuable lesson on how to win these games. And I feel like now that he has a stranglehold on that, he's going to be fine going into this year. He's not going to question himself. Can I win these big games? Tua has a lot of questions going into this offseason. Can he win those games? Why did I get benched and you throw in Ryan Fitzpatrick? There's a lot of questions that Tua is going to have to answer this year. With Justin, he doesn't have to answer those mental questions to himself because he has won those games. He won six games last season i know obviously they should have won a lot more but the defense there was a lot of injuries there was a lot of mishaps but definitely i think that is good for justin going on that win streak god what the hell did you ask me again uh oh, oh kyle pitts, kyle pitts yeah. I, really it, yeah. do, I really do think that if kyle pitts <laughs> fell to them yes they would take him but i feel like for the Chargers right now priority is uh priority is left tackle cornerback or even maybe even a receiver but i don't think they would mortgage their future to come up and grab kyle pitts the interesting part is they they still could uh select tommy treble tremble 
from Notre Dame in the third round, that'd be a good pickup. If not, there's a name out there, and I've been saying it, it would be a match made in heaven for them if they traded for Zach Ertz. There were some talks initially with the Philadelphia Eagles. I think Howie Roseman wanted, uh, there was rumors that he wanted too much and that the Chargers were like, oh, maybe not. So, um, but if they end up releasing Zach Ertz, I think the Chargers need to be right there. I know you have Jared Cook, but that's not enough. If you can go out and you, if you can get Panay Sewell in the draft and you can get a Zach Ertz in free agency and you have already Jared Cook, you could really change the dynamic of this offense and really be a powerhouse uh, this upcoming season, which the Chargers are going to need. They face a lot of very good defense. They're going to face Cleveland this year. They're going to face Pittsburgh. They're going to face the Patriots. The Patriots, now they're getting all the COVID people back who sat out last year mm-hmm. due to COVID. That defense is going to be uh, brand spanking new this season. So I really do think that the Chargers need to, they need to keep, continue building, but they need to get Justin more weapons. I really, and it's funny because people are like, oh, well, he has Jalen Guyton and Tyron Johnson. They're good. They're very good players. But, Jalen Guyton made a dropped the ball a lot last year. There were some key mm-hmm. moments where he got tackled before he got into the end zone. There were there's just some things there that I just don't think he's a number three. I don't think Tyron maybe Tyron might be a number three, but I just as right now, I feel like they still need a number three and uh, and they should totally go out and try and get one. Yeah, I mean you bring up Jared Cook too. I mean we we kind of talked about Kyle Pitts too. It might be too much of a reach for the Chargers. Um, but kind of that kind of it kind of brings up conversations for me about the Philip Rivers Antonio Gates connection. And do you think that Herbert will find his kind of Gates connection um, and maybe in the form of a tight end, like you're saying, Zach Ertz, or do you think maybe long term they'll try to get that connection um, for the tight end spot? Well, I feel like you need to get a young tight end for that yeah. kind of like somebody that uh, that's why they want to get the left tackle, somebody that mm-hmm. he can grow with. At one point, Phillip Rivers was starting to grow with Marcus McNeil. Marcus McNeil got drafted, I think, the year that the Chargers went 14-2. and two. He was drafted first overall from Auburn. Him and Phillip were coming up. In 2009 or 10, he had that neck injury that made him retire and everything. Him and Phillip were supposed to be playing for the next 10 to 15 years. His career got cut short. Now I feel like the Chargers are trying to do that with, uh, if they try and get Panay Sewell, you have that Oregon Duck connection already. Why not bring yeah. that together and kind of hoist these two up? So very, yeah. it's going to be very interesting to see the way they kind of, uh, they kind of, they kind of go in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really do think that the Chargers do kind of need to get that tight end solidified, maybe with a young guy like Tommy Treble, like I said from Notre Dame. Oh, and there you go, Tom can hit his Notre Dame. Uh, his <laughs> they always draft somebody from yeah. Notre Dame. Um, so <laughs> I really am interested to see where the tight end position is going to go just because he really did look at Hunter Henry a lot. The only thing is Hunter Henry's price tag was way too much. And the Chargers yeah. were able to get Corey Lindsley for almost the same amount of money that they would have paid Hunter. So, I mean, they needed to get the center spot solidified. I'm just really interested to see where that next tight end is going to come from. Because, I mean, the Chargers had Kellen Winslow, then Antonio Gates, Where's that next tight end going to come from? Zach Ertz could be good, but he's 30. So um, yeah. so they're going to need somebody young. Uh, who knows? Maybe it's Donald Parham, six foot eight. I, I really don't yeah. think so. I mean, I just think that maybe he's going to grow into a certain role, and I think he might be good in it. But really, I'm, I'm interested to see what, what the Chargers do with that tight end position just because it is crucial. It's funny because a lot of people are like, oh, Jared Cook. I'm like – Dude, Jared Cook, the last three years, Chris Harry from uh, the Chargers, he tweeted yeah. out that in the last three years, 
Chris Harry or Chris Harry <laughs> that uh, Jared Cook has 22 touchdowns, which is second in the league to Travis Kelsey, who has 27. So Man, he's a yeah. he's a red zone machine, and I feel like the Chargers really are going to use him. Last year they struggled at times in the red zone, uh, play stalled, stuff like that. Guys couldn't get open, or or they just called the wrong plays at times, and you're kind of like questioning it. Uh, but I definitely, I'm, I'm interested to see what the Chargers do with the tight end position. I feel like there are some holes there. I feel like they need to solidify another tight end. Um, but yeah, no, definitely. I feel like the Chargers do need to get a young tight end to kind of bring up with Justin. Um, but yeah, no, Kyle Pitts would be incredible for them. But I just don't see Kyle Pitts falling to 13. I don't see them. It, I'll tell you this. If he fell to nine and the two left tackles are gone and maybe the cornerbacks might be gone, 11 or 10, I think the Chargers might think about trading up and grabbing them but i it'd be it'd be a little bit of a reach so i i just don't think i i'd love to see him with this offense i think he he'd thrive but i just don't see it happening yeah yeah i mean fernando we talked about tom telesco a little bit earlier dude we talked of... a lot i've been yeah. here for a long time you're <laughs> holding me hostage this last question <laughs> last question right your last yeah. question dude, I'm, yeah. kidding. I'm kidding you guys you guys are good you guys can no we this, no this was actually our last question so um justin herbert had one of the best rookie seasons uh that we've we've ever get inspired seen. don't you justin you're like oh look at the justins out here justin field justin herbert look at me justin pierce you're not on that justin. level justin a great name what could i say you're the justins <laughs> Uh, so Justin Herbert had one of the best uh, best rookie seasons. Obviously, we've um, seen in recent memory. I mean, uh, but a lot of people did misevaluate him before the draft. A lot of people like me loved Tua Tagovailoa out, out of Alabama and Joe Burrow, obviously. But uh, what led to so many people misevaluating him before uh, before the the draft last year? And which QB do you think uh, could put up a year like Justin Herbert did this year? I think every year in the draft there's a guy that gets uh that gets pinpointed as this guy ain't gonna be it this guy ain't gonna be it a couple of years ago it was josh allen josh allen was the guy that everybody's like uh. and people can say it was lamar jackson but i truly believe it was josh allen the one that was getting uh the one that was getting hated on the most i think because of he played at wyoming uh big arm turnovers the thing is is that we have to remember too that's why I think Zach Wilson's going to be pretty good. These guys are at small universities. I mean, small in the sense of at the University of Oregon, like Justin didn't get to play with Jamar Chase. He didn't get to play with uh, with Jerry Judy. He didn't get to play with some of these guys. He had to play with um, maybe two, three-star athletes, and they were good, and they did some good work, but it just wasn't the same, and Justin made it work. I mean, you guys saw in the Rose I don't know if you guys watched the Rose Bowl game, but I've yeah. watched it, I think, 17 times now to see what Justin was seeing. At one point, nothing was working. So what did Justin do? He took off by himself with his legs, and he he scored three rushing touchdowns. And I remember I was watching that game, and I was like, "Crap! Like this kid, this kid, uh, whatever means necessary is kind of his slogan. Whatever way he needs to win a game, he's gonna win the game." So I was very impressed by Justin then. But I just feel like they pointed at. I I feel like when somebody's different, we really have to pinpoint everything and it's like nit i don't know and justin's different he's just not he's not the tom brady that's gonna run out in the stadium and kind of pump his fist and and bang on his chest and get excited no justin's not like that justin does get excited 
but he's more of i'm gonna say herbert because i see a smile on your face and i feel like you think i'm talking about you but i'm not um <laughs> no I'm but when justin when justin really uh when justin goes out there and he does the stuff that he's doing I mean, he just he just plays the quarterback position. He's different. He's not a lead. He's not a raw raw leader that's gonna come in and and clap his hands and start getting all like that. Justin's not like that. Justin's like, hey guys, let's go out there. Let's do our jobs. Uh, let's try and get open. Let's, and and that's the thing is that Justin's different. You had Tua. Tua was uh, everybody loved Tua from that Georgia game where he came in. He scored that game winning touchdown. Joe Burrow obviously with the cigar after the game with the trophy mm -hmm. sitting right next to him. I mean, those guys were obviously the clear near favorites. Tua to me, his, I, I feel like he wasn't healed from his injury last year. And I really do feel like Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert put a lot of pressure on the Dolphins. And they saw, crap, those two, yeah, they might not be winning games, but their rookie quarterbacks are playing well. We might have to throw in ours just to kind of stay level. And I feel like Tua might have not been ready. Um, I feel like we also, I feel like people misevaluated Tua just because and it's not misevaluating because we really don't know what he is yet. He did have a poor rookie season, but hey, they still won, I think it was 10 games or nine games. And obviously some of that was Fitz, uh, Fitzpatrick, but they still won games. I'm really interested to see what if Tua is going to be able to, to succeed this year. Uh, but Tua got to play with Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith. Uh, some of these, Najee Harris, some of these, some of these players are obviously they're five-star athletes and you got to play behind one of the best offensive lines in in college football if not the best and in the nfl it's not like that in the nfl you have holes alabama doesn't have any holes alabama has five-star players at every single position that's not how it is in the nfl in the nfl you might have um you're not going to have a five-star offensive line you're going to have one two four three five like it's going to be spread out so <clears throat> I truly believe that that, that kind of took Tua by surprise a little bit. Um, I feel like that kind of took Joe Burrow by surprise a little bit as well. But Joe Burrow was able to handle it a lot more just because Joe really has something different. And I feel like he, he's a good quarterback. Um, but, yeah, no, the way Justin and Joe were able to handle their rookie seasons was incredible. <clears throat> the way Justin was able to come in against Kansas City was incredible. I mean, he was told five minutes before the game, hey, you're going in. He actually said on the Pat McAfee show, that he he comes trotting in and that uh hunter henry's like what the hell are you doing in here and he's like whoa <laughs> yeah. dude i mean it's my first game i'm coming out here and and you're just uh you're asking me what i'm doing here thanks for my con or thanks for the confidence booster and they just yeah. started laughing and he's and obviously what happened to tyrod was terrible but it really solidified justin as a as a quarterback and and i'm gonna be honest in in training camp he did not look good like when when we were out there when we were watching him like he did make some plays that you're like oh crap and then they, there were some plays where you're like oh crap <laughs> so yeah. i remember i wrote a, an article one day and people laughed at me north dakota loves me uh so i'm <laughs> even though i don't live there i'm the king up there justin so ha <laughs> uh people loved me because i wrote one day that easton stick was the best quarterback in uh in oh training camp that day <laughs> i think i remember so, like, that yeah yeah, so, yeah like, i remember that too retweeting me and people were like crap like what kind of quarterback did we draft and i'm like it's not it wasn't justin's fault it was that we never saw him with the first team offense the whole time that we were there and hey maybe he did practice with the first team offense but what from what i've heard from the players they didn't practice with justin all that much the first team 
So, uh, so Justin did not look all that good. He was practicing with the second and third team. First time he goes out there, and then you guys saw it on Hard Knocks, but when we were there, we couldn't believe it. First play, he goes out there, he throws an interception to Melvin Ingram, and he runs it back for a touchdown. And we all, like, us as journalists, we look at each other and we're like, oh, shit, like, what is going on? But Justin learned from it, and, and he was able to pick it up. I feel like the Chargers really do need to, they need to, in a sense, uh, how do I want to put this? They need to, God, how do I want to put this? They need to challenge him. And the more complex an offense is, the more Justin's going to get involved in it. He's a smart guy. He won the Heisman for academia as an athlete, his uh, senior season at Oregon. He's a smart guy. He's had, he, it's funny. He succeeded every single year that he's been in college football and in the NFL. Well, obviously it's only been one, but he's had four different head coaches in um uh he's had four no he's had five different head coaches now and his since he started his collegiate career yeah. and now five different head coaches oh, yeah. Yeah. six different offensive coordinators so and yeah. justin has succeeded in every single year of that so it just it's a testament to what he's done when you ask me can somebody duplicate what justin did i don't know if they can just because justin got lucky Justin had Philip or had uh, Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry. He had some very good pieces around him. And you know what? Going back to the other stuff that I talked about, the clutch plays and stuff, he even showed that he could make average or below average receivers look very good. Tyron Johnson really made a name for himself at towards the end of the season. Jalen Guyton really made a name for himself. And I'm I, like again. I'm, it's nothing against those receivers. It's just Justin elevated them to a whole different level, and he was making, he was throwing the ball beautifully. That was another thing. I just wrote an article about uh, Justin stiff arming um, all the doubters and everything, and I put in the article in NFL.com. It said he doesn't lead his receivers well. Well, crap. What I saw last year mm -hmm. is he would on those seventy-yard bombs or those long touchdowns. He was leading the receiver, receiver, yeah. and it's funny. Philip Rivers never did that. And I mean, it's not a shot on Phillip. Phillip would throw the long ball and guys used to have to stop, catch it, and then run and they would get tackled. When Justin throws it, Justin throws it right into your bread basket so you can walk into the end zone. So that's really a, a huge difference between both guys. Justin just have, has a rocket of an arm. But will it be duplicated? I just don't know what situation a quarterback can come into and say, oh, wow, look at all the Pro Bowl players I have around me on offense. I just don't know if it's going to be like that. And then plus, I give Justin a lot more credit just because that offensive line was atrocious last year. I mean, when Sam Tevy is your best offensive lineman, that's that's saying something. So, so yeah, I, I definitely think that uh, it, it's going to be hard to duplicate the kind of season he had because he had 36 total touchdowns. I mean, that's rarely yeah. done. And it's funny because I think if he would have played against Cincinnati, he might have had another – if he would have been the starting quarterback from the beginning, I think he might have had – 40 to 40 to yeah about 40 touchdowns i think he would have had a lot more touchdowns if he was the opening day starter yeah i mean fernando thank you so much for coming on again i mean you really well, when made I have us... somebody bugging and blowing up my phone i don't know how the hell you got my number but uh when i have somebody <laughs> blowing up my phone you're like please come on hey make sure that check doesn't bounce when it goes into my bank account <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, of course. We can't miss that. Can't miss that. There but Fernando's awkward returning red <laughs> smile. 
but for, uh, yeah, but Fernando, thank you so much again for coming on. I mean, uh, you're welcome anytime you want to come on. I know you're pretty Never. busy yourself, but um, it's it's always a pleasure catching <laughs> up and uh, talking talking Chargers, of course. No, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's a lot of fun. And again, people, if Justin's parents are listening, there it is nothing against your son. It's just how <laughs> we play around. Yeah. There is nothing. Uh, it's, I, I, I think Justin's a great guy. I think both of you guys are great, great guys. And I feel like you guys are young journalists making your way up here. Um, and honestly, I mean, I just I know both of you guys, so I feel comfortable uh, horsing around with you guys. So, again, it's nothing against Justin. I just like having fun. So uh, and they and these guys know that. So definitely. Um, I, I definitely uh, thank you for the invitation. I definitely am excited uh, to hear the, this come out and everything. So definitely thank you guys. And we are back here on the dagger. I mean, Corey, I mean, I can't say enough about how fun that conversation was with uh, Fernando. I mean, so I got smarter within the last hour listening to him uh, uh, talk about the Chargers and what he's been through on his journey as a as a journalist in the industry. Yeah, no, yeah, I totally agree. It's fun. It's really fun to hear the perspective of a beat writer, people that are there, you know, on a day to day basis throughout the NFL season, and then at, at, at any moment too, when news breaks, you know, they're on the they're on the call um, to be you know on Twitter making articles. So um, if you guys can go check them out. Compass on the compass on the beat, excuse me, and on Sports Illustrated, he's got a bunch of articles dropping, um, basically on a daily basis. You know, especially with the draft revving up. So huge shout out to Fernando. Um, I had a super fun time catching up with him. Yeah, yeah, and his Twitter, his Twitter is awesome too. So if you follow him, it's follow. at at Real F Ramirez. That is at Real F Ramirez. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, that was fun, and yeah. you know. Our next segment coming up actually carries over from what we just talked about, which is the NFL draft and uh, what we what we think is going to happen. So uh, me and Corey right now are, are going to give you our top 10 uh, picks, our projected top 10 picks, and then who we think the our favorite teams are going to get. So um, Corey's going to pick out who the Giants are probably going to get in this draft, and I'm going to pick out who the Chargers might get in this draft with trade or no trade. So our top 10 picks are going to be without any trades happening. Um, if all of these teams stayed in their current spots um, for what what's going to be next week, I mean, who knows what could happen in between uh, this week and next week. I mean, there could be some trades that happen. I mean, uh, Denver could trade up with Atlanta, swap the number nine and number four picks. So that should be fun. We'll, we'll get into it. But here's my here's my mock draft for the upcoming 2021 NFL draft. So I have Trevor Lawrence obviously going to the Jaguars. He's no doubt the uh, best quarterback prospect in this draft class. And you know, I mean that Urban Meyer went to uh, Jacksonville basically just for Trevor Lawrence. So um, having him on that team is is going to make it a lot more interesting. So Trevor Lawrence number one to the Jaguars. Number two, I have Zach Wilson. Um, he's a very flashy uh, quarterback. I mean, he's he definitely is mistake prone, and he's great outside the outside the pocket. So, what I saw at BYU um, over the last couple of seasons, I mean, he definitely has has potential to be a boomer bust uh, quarterback, especially with the Jets at picking at number two. So, I, I definitely see um, the Jets picking Zach Wilson at number two, and then number three. I really do think 
uh, that the 49ers are going to get Mac Jones. I necessarily don't uh, agree with this pick, but I think they should go after a Justin Fields or Trey Lance, but I am a buyer about the Mac Jones, uh, Mac Jones rumors that he could end up as a 49er uh, to start the season. I don't know if he'll start right away. I don't know if Jimmy G is going to get the start and then get traded before the deadline, which is what it is a possibility, but uh, Mac Jones, I think is going to be a 49er at pick number three. Uh, pick number four, Atlanta. I think they may trade out of this pick, but if they do, if they do tr- uh, keep this pick, I think they'll get Trey Lance. And look, you're going to ask yourself, like, why would they get a quarterback right out of the like when they when they have Matt Ryan? Why would they get one in the draft and um, at number four? Well, from what I've seen and what I've heard from, um, I mean, many people in the Fargo area. I mean. They, they love Trey Lance in, in Atlanta, and I think it, it could be a great pick, and I think it'll be best for the future in Atlanta. And, I mean, they're leaving a va- very valuable Kyle Pitts on the board, but, I mean, that I could definitely see Atlanta getting a quarterback and um, potentially moving off of Matt Ryan within a year or two. Number five, I do have a um, I do have Jamar Chase going to the Bengals. Uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase would be reunited on the on the Bengals, and that that that'll be a fun little combo there. So I know they do need offensive line help, but it should be a fun, uh, entertaining draft to say the least. So Corey, I'm going to hand it over to you so you can give your top five picks, and then we'll go six uh, six through ten. Okay, cool. Okay, good. Top five. Okay. So Jags, I'm going to roll same with uh, Trevor Lawrence. I feel like he's already kind of been in the community. They, they were talking about like $20,000 was given to, to charity after his wedding. So I think it seems like Trevor Lawrence is the clear number one guy. Um, although there, there was definitely some drama, some circulation going around about, okay, maybe it could be Justin Fields. It could be something else. But huge thing with the Jets where they got ended up getting rid of Sam Darnold. Now they're looking for a quarterback. You, you thought it might, they might be going for the O-line or to get Darnold a, a receiver um, or a tight end. But boom, they, they got rid of him. So I think that it, it's looking like Zach Wilson at BYU will we'll go there. But I think that, that Justin Fields should actually be taken over. If, if I were drafting, um, you know, I, I would take – I think Justin Fields will, will pan out to be the better quarterback. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a tough spot, though, for any quarterback that goes there. So whoever it might be, it's going to be a tough ride, I think, for the next couple of years. Um, and so the Niners, I'm seeing Mac Jones a lot. But I, I'm, I'm thinking that the, the Patriots might make a little move in, in somewhere in this, maybe the back end, the five through 10 spot, whatever. Um, and, um, and I think that, that that might happen. So Mac, I'm not looking at Mac Jones. I think Trey Lance could end up there with the Niners. Um, oh, wow. be, I, yeah, so I'm like, I think that Trey Lance is, he's kind of, uh, kind of overlooked, maybe the underdog, but I feel like there could be something scheming where Trey Lance end, ends up going to the Niners. Um, and then Atlanta, I, I do think that if um, I do really like the Justin Fields matchup there with Atlanta, I think that would just be a great connection there. Um, but I think that I, I, it's looking like Justin Fields will be off the board already. Um, Kyle Pitts could be a good guy to go there, but I think Zach Wilson that at the end of the day, they need a quarterback. Atlanta needs a quarterback to replace Matt Ryan. So I think that'll be, um, it'll be Zach Wilson going to Atlanta wow. and, and number five, I know I'm a little bit crazy with my, with my, <laughs> my board. These are kind of more the guys I feel like it should be, but it, um, it's so, but with uh, the Bengals, 
they need to protect Burrow. They got to go with, uh, they got to get him protected. He had a brutal knee injury last season, left his uh, Ricky year short. So uh, Panay Sewell, uh, Sewell will, will uh, out of Oregon, will go to Bengals to get him the O-line support. Yeah. Wow. I think you're one of the, old, the few people that had uh, um, Zach Wilson falling out of that number two spot. I mean, what, what, what are you seeing right now that makes you think that um, this quarterback could drop in the draft? I just feel like the, I mean, if, I think I think if you just look at the resume of Justin Fields compared to Zach Wilson, I feel like just being able to play these big games that Justin Fields have been able to play, it's just the exposure. And then if you compare it to the the, the opponents and the level of play that Zach Wilson's played against, um, I just think that looking at it just from the gameplay, the game matchups, it it just seems like Justin Fields has should have the upper hand, um, and and just the the quarterback, you know, the the um, you know his height and weight and everything like that. Like it just seems like. He, Justin Fields should be the guy to go there, but I think it happens every year where like one team will just lock on one person, one player, and that might be Zach Wilson with the Jets, but I feel like it's not much of a difference between Sam Darnold and, I mean, if you're getting rid of Sam Darnold and you're going to bring on maybe a kind of a, um, you're not too sure of quarterback, I mean, and why not go Justin Fields and go for the guy that's played at Georgia, you know, been been in big games. Yeah, I mean... Um, I mean, yeah, the, the pay difference for Darnold over the next few seasons is definitely going to be significantly more than uh, some of the rookies coming into this uh, coming into this draft, obviously. So, uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's one of the reasons why uh, the Jets decided to move off of uh, Sam Darnold was because of that reason. And they don't have enough help yeah. around him either. So uh, this is going to be a big draft for the Jets and uh, to really see how they can really revamp this uh revamp this team under Robert Sala so uh should be should be fun to follow over the next few seasons but uh here we go we have picks six through ten um picking at number six I had um the Miami Dolphins getting Kyle Pitts yes I do have him falling out of the top five surprisingly uh he is one of the best prospects I've ever seen at tight end um in recent memory and I do have him staying in the state of Florida as well um, he's definitely going to be very reliable for uh, for Tua Tagovailoa um, to throw to, as uh, they have Devontae Parker in there already as a as a number one receiver um, in in Miami. So I think that's going to be a big connection for um, for not only the Dolphins but for Tua as well. So at number six, I do have um, Miami picking. Uh, I'm sorry, I almost said Panay Sewell. Uh, Kyle Pitts. <laughs> I do have him picking Kyle Pitts. Yeah. So um, number seven, uh, I do have the Lions getting a Kyle Pitts, or not Kyle Pitts, gosh. Uh, <laughs> I do have them getting Panay Sewell. Um, they, they need a lot of help everywhere, not just at cornerback, but at offensive line as well. They need to help protect Jared Goff. I mean, he's uh, he's under a big contract right now. So any, any decent rookie tackles that they can get in this draft, I mean, they have to go after uh, Panay Sewell. And I think he's, it's Panay Sewell and everybody else. I think uh, Rashad Slater is nice, but I think um, I don't, I really don't know much about him. He's in the Big Ten. Panay Sewell was in the Pac-12, and argue you could argue at the beginning of the season that Panay Sewell could go like in the top three for uh, in his draft class. So I mean, who knows uh, what what could happen there? But I think the the Lions get Sewell at number seven. Number eight, I do have. Um, Carolina getting Rashad Slater. I know they, I mean, they need, they need to get protection for Sam Darnold. I mean, he got hammered in New York. 
Um, I think this is, this will be a good building block for Darnold when he gets out of his rookie contract and who knows, he may not even get a fifth year option in Carolina. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, Rashad Slater at number eight is definitely what I think is going to happen. Number nine, I can definitely see uh, Denver getting Justin Fields. Uh, they need a quarterback. Uh, Drew Locke right now, he's he's the worst quarterback in the division, but he's only been there for two seasons. So um, you can't necessarily put all that on him, but I think they're going to draft a quarterback and quickly move off of Drew Locke um, sooner than later. So I'm, Justin Fields is... I see him dipping a little bit. I think he's going to get overlooked like Deshaun Watson was a few years back um, in their draft class. But I mean, I see Justin Fields uh, being in a good situation in Denver at number nine. Um, number 10 for the Cowboys, I have Patrick Sertain, uh, one of the best defensive backs in the draft uh, out of Alabama. I think that the Cowboys will be in great shape with him next, next season and they need a lot of help on the defensive end. So um, anytime you can get a big time corner like that, it's going to help your team a lot. And I know the Cowboys need a lot of defensive help because I mean, let's be real. They only have, um, so many assets on the offense, offensive side of the ball that all their defensive pieces, um, that, that they've had in recent years are gone like Alden Smith. So I I'm going to go with, uh, Patrick Sertain at number 10, but yeah. Yeah, there we go. Love it. It's going to be a fun draft. Um, it's going to be. It, there's so much that could happen still with all these quarterbacks too that it, I think it's it's really going to depend depend on whoever whoever the Jets and Niners select. It's going to it could change this whole the whole rest of the seven picks. Um, so it's going to be six to seven picks after that. So, um, but going into my six, uh, pick six, I think that Miami connection, Florida connection. Uh, we have uh, Kyle Pitts going. Uh, I mean, he's six foot six. 239 pounds, 240 pounds. Like, I mean, people are comparing him to a wide receiver um, abilities. So I think that, um, and you could see that how valuable these tight ends are, these kind of receiving tight ends where you see Patty Mahomes, and Travis Kelsey. I mean, you, you, you talk, we talked about earlier, Philip Rivers, Antonio Gates. Um, you mean, you just talk about these, these um, tight end connections they are so important for quarterbacks. Um, so I think Kyle Pitts would be awesome there. And especially young quarterbacks, uh, Tua and Kyle Pitts would be awesome. Um, so I think, Miami will go there. Um, number seven, the Lions sit at an interesting spot. I think there could be a potential trade there as well. I mean, they got Jared Goff lined up uh, with a trade from Matt Stafford, so they're not trying to get that quarterback. So they might be in a spot where they trade down uh, or something like that. But um, I think that they should go with Devontae Smith. Um, I think he's, oh. for me, for me, he's the best receiver out of this class. Um, I mean, he had 200 yards in the first half of the national championship game, 23 there's an SEC record for 23 touchdowns. He won the Heisman. I mean, a lot of people talk about his weight. He should be a little bit bigger, a little bit heavier. Um, but I mean, this guy can can just torch anybody. And and I mean, yeah. if you're if you're in a, it, I mean, you have Jared Goff coming into a new new team. Um, he needs guys to get open for him. And I think that Devontae Smith can do that. Uh, but they do sit in a very interesting spot. So I think there could be trades involved, where maybe the Patriots go up there. Um, Panthers. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, Panthers, I think they need to kind of bolster their offense, um, get a guy like Jamar Chase um, to help Sam Darnold bolster up CMC, Christian McCaffrey. And I think they could be a pretty – I think they, they're on a pretty good path to be a good, solid team, um, get back to the Cam Newton days, um, just a few more pieces away. Um, the Broncos, I like I like where the Broncos sit too on in the, in the ninth spot. I think that um, 
a couple of different guys could fall in, into their hands as far as like quarterback. But I, I can also see the Broncos. They say if they really want to get Justin Fields, something like that, or, or maybe even Zach Wilson um, or a guy like Mac Jones, I think they could potentially trade up too and try to get to that like three or four. Didn't season. you have um, – um, sorry, did you, didn't you have Justin Fields and, Matt and um, Trey Lance going in the, in the top five? Yeah. Oh yeah. I had him. Yeah. But I mean, I'm saying if they don't go, Oh, okay. Yeah. If they, if yeah. I think in the, if they don't go that early, right. I think I had Trey Lance up pretty high. Um, and so at the three spot, so I feel like if they sit at nine, you know, they're kind of, I could see them bumping up to get, if they really have a guy, they really say they love Justin Fields, you know, they might, there might be some crazy last minute trades where, where they bump up, they jump over the, the, the Falcons or they jump over the or not, not, not the Niners. That'd be tough to get over them. Um, but I could see, I could see Mac Jones falling to the Broncos um, and getting their spot, getting their guy to replace Drew Locke. Um, and then the number 10, we share, we share the same one. It looks like uh, Pat Patrick Sertan is going to be the clear cut to the Cowboys. It's looking like, um, but Cowboys got a lot of, they got um, with Dak Prescott coming back. They um, they're, they're going to be, they're going to be fun to watch. Um, and, and and get back to that crazy wild NFC East. Yeah, so, who'd yeah, you? My ten. Yeah, I, I was gonna ask. I forgot. I I forgot what you had at number four for Atlanta. I wanted to. I was curious. Oh, I I had um. I I think it's. It, I wanted to say Kyle Pitts because, but I think that they need to move on from Matt Ryan. So I said Zach Wilson. Okay. Before. Yeah, I was. I was like. I was thinking. I was like. Yeah, you said a bunch of different names there. I I, I kind of. I, I was I was wondering which picks you had for which uh I mean which team so I mean yeah no uh sorry yeah, yeah. there's <laughs> yeah no you're good uh, I was kind of through I was kind of speaking I was thinking out loud I was saying a bunch of like I think that Justin Fields would be awesome there in Atlanta but yeah. I don't I don't I think that he'll be taken off the board already by then yeah so I mean here now we have our favorite teams outside of the top ten Giants are picking at number eleven and the Chargers are picking at number thirteen um. Unbiasedly, uh, Corey, who do you think the Giants should get with their draft pick? And do you think they should trade up to get anybody? You know, I think they're good to stay where they're at. Um, I think for sure, Gettleman has said Daniel Jones is, is their guy. Saquon Barkley's coming back. They got Kenny Galladay in the offseason. Um, so I think it, they're, they're, they're good there. They got Sterling Shepard still. Evan Ingram is still kind of a work in progress. Um, their defense kind of, kind, of, kind of emerged late in the season last year. So I think they're good with building their guys from last year and the acquisitions they made in the off season. So I think they'll stay there at their spot. Um, but if a guy like Devonte Smith falls down to the giants, that would be kind of a match in heaven. I think, um, I think he would go up higher than that, but um, the, or I've, I've seen a lot, Jalen Waddle Waddle could be an awesome guy that he missed basically all last year. And he tried to play in the, in the championship game, but he was clearly injured. Um, but he was a guy that the year before was absolutely balling out and, and kind of overshadowed uh, Devontae Smith too. So a lot of people kind of forgot that Devontae Smith was on the team for that, I believe it was three years. And so yeah. um, he just had his Heisman breakout year, but Jalen Waddle could be an awesome guy and to really bump up that receiving core for the giants. And so I, I think going a receiver would be, would be really beneficial to get the, the giants just need to score more, to, to be honest. Um, they need to get more points going. And Daniel Jones kind of seems like he's rolling and he's going, getting his own thing with Barkley back. I think receiver would be a great option. Yeah. And for the chargers, I think I, I I'm going to go with the South Carolina cornerback, uh, JC Horn. Uh, he's one of the top cornerbacks in this draft. 
And, you know, if they, if they could, if they could trade up, I would like them to go get an offensive lineman uh, from the lions. I know they can get a lot of value from uh, moving up from the 13th to the seventh pick and they could give away their first rounder for next year too. Um, I think that's a possibility like Fernando uh, mentioned it earlier in the podcast, but uh, I think they should get uh, a cornerback here. And the reason why is uh, the departure of Casey Hayward is, is very, very crucial for this team. I mean, uh, going in next season with Michael Davis, I mean, you're going to have to really, and yeah, you're going to have to really revamp this, uh, um, the secondary. And um, also don't, n- not to mention too, Chris Harris as well. I mean, he's on the final year of his two-year contract. So um to get a cornerback is, is it's going to be big for them. And I think that they need to really develop on that side of the ball and um, really prepare to see um, really prepare to see what they can do in the near future with this defense, because I know this defense is a lot of potential and I feel like they haven't been used right in, uh, in, in recent memory. So I think that they'll go out and get a cornerback and I think they'll go and get Hornet number 13. So So yeah, um, let's let's move on. Let's get into our dagger five for um, for the to conclude the rest of this episode. Um, my my internet connection is unstable right now. So I cut out I, there yet. <laughs> yeah, no, it, we're cutting out in and out. So um, hopefully it doesn't affect this recording. But um, I'm gonna go into our dagger five real quick for the rest of the week to give you guys um, a preview of what's to what to watch for this upcoming weekend. Um, so here we go. Uh, Anthony Davis and the Los Angeles Lakers return tonight. They play the Dallas Mavericks or I shouldn't say tonight. They should Thursday night, rather, if you're watching on any other day of the week, but, um, yeah, the Anthony Davis returns against the Mavericks. It'll be his first game back, um, after suffering a gruesome injury, uh, a couple months ago against, uh, the Denver Nuggets. Um, I think he, he did something on his lower body, whether it was his calf or Achilles. It was, I think it was his calf muscle. I'm not sure, but um, Anthony Davis is back and they play the Mavericks. So I'm going to pick the Lakers to win that matchup. Uh, He'll, he'll be playing power forward like he normally does. So um, I'm going to go with the Lakers in that matchup for MLB action. I'm going to go and go through all four games of the Padres Dodgers series because that's a big deal obviously so um, I'm going to pick the Dodgers Thursday night Um, Walker Buehler's on the mound for the for LA and Ryan Weathers is on the mound for San Diego I'm going to go with uh, the Dodgers obviously in that one and you Darvish versus Clayton Kershaw is Friday night I'm going to go with that's a big matchup I'm going to go with the Padres in that one I think you Darvish is off to a good start to the season. Meanwhile, Clayton Kershaw has three wins himself, but I think the Padres finally get over the sl- their slump. I, they've lost five out of six, so I'm going to go with uh, the Padres Friday night. Uh, Saturday night, it's Blake Snell versus Trevor Bauer. This was the this was a fun matchup to watch this past week. Um, it, to conclude their last series, they played on Sunday, and Blake Snell had a great outing. Trevor. Trevor Bauer won the Cy Young last year. He is 2-0 to start the season, but I'm going to go with the Dodgers here. I think that Trevor Bauer gets his revenge, and uh, the Dodger faithful will be on his side for that one. And 
Sunday night baseball should be a fun one with Joe Musgrove on the mound get going up against Dustin May. Um, I'm going to go with the Padres here earning the split and Joe Musgrove. He's, I mean, he pitched a no hitter earlier this season. So um, I think the Padres maintain their 500 record and go into the next series at 12 and 12. Uh, meanwhile, the Dodgers are still afloat in first place. I think they'll end the series at 16 and six. It's still early. They, um, it's still April baseball, but um, I mean, you can't get enough of Padres Dodgers. It feels some of the players have even gone out and said, uh, it feels like playing 19 world series games. I mean, they play each other 19, ga- uh, 19 times during the season. So, I mean, it's going to be a fun, uh, it's going to be a fun series either way. And I, I mean, I can't wait to watch these two teams play that you can never get um, bad baseball between these two teams. So there is a lot of bad blood though. Let's just say that. Yeah. Here, here's a little Vince Scully. Not for Dodger <laughs> baseball, baby. Uh, but no, shout out to Vince Scully. But yeah, no, the, the games they played already uh, last weekend, five-hour game, basically, oh, extra innings like crazy. Um, so yeah, like, yeah, those are going to be really fun. Um, the pod, I mean, 18, you talk about 18 games against the same opponent, too. That's like, yeah, it's crazy. Um, Nine, 19. So they, they 19. yeah, every, everybody, everybody in the division plays each other 19 times during the season. So long season, uh, a lot of baseball left, so. Yeah, yeah, that's super fun. Um, so because you want you want mostly um MLB, I'll go mostly NBA. Um, and so uh, same thing with you, Lakers, Dallas. Uh, it's official as of now ish it, that um AD will for sure make it back um today uh to play on Thursday night against Dallas. So I think that um he might be AD's got to be rusty to say that you know he won't be his what is you know his prime potential is yet. But I think that it'll be enough for the Lakers to get that win against Dallas. Thursday night and then uh, Bucks and uh, Milwaukee Bucks, Philadelphia, that'd be kind of maybe a, an East or a Eastern, you know, late round or maybe Eastern conference finals preview. Um, I think Philly will get that one. Um, and then a little kind of a little MVP front runner versus MVP maybe should be uh, Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors versus the uh, Jokic and the Denver Nuggets. That'd be a fun one to see. Steph Curry has been on an absolute uh, scoring tear right now um just just i mean it's an it's incredible to see uh, what he's doing and um many people are saying that he should be in the mvp race including steph curry too um so uh, i i definitely could see that too for what he's doing without clay thompson um and uh let's see so the the next game would be um oh the uh i couldn't read my own writing for a second sorry <laughs> boston boston and the nets will be well that'd be a fun one brooklyn and boston um so boston like i was saying they kind of slid down to the sixth seed maybe almost to the seventh seed and the east been a little bit disappointing this year but i think that they can this is a big game for them to go out and win beat the nets here uh, on i believe that's friday night and then a good a good little uh number five for me on sunday little little western showdown between the grizzlies and the portland trailblazers uh the blazers against the clippers they they missed um damian lillard and yusuf nurkic was out um, so they're kind of another team dealing with injuries after they missed CJ McCollum for a while. Um, but the, the Memphis to that's going to be a fun one to kind of the bottom, the bottom end of, which is still amazing to the, the West, the, even the bottom end of the West is amazing. So Memphis and, and, and Portland to finish out and off. And I'll go with, I'll go with Portland winning that one on Sunday. Yeah, there you have it. Uh, that's our dagger five. Um, usually we go through five games that we like each week that we'll, we'll do a little pick them for each one. Um, but-
but yeah, that, those are our, uh, those are our five picks. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the dagger, the end of episode 10, Corey, we're already, 10, baby. Uh, we're, we're already, we're already at uh, episode 10 of the revamp. So wow. um, we really took pride in this episode and uh, really wanted to thank all of our guests who have been on so far, including Fernando. I know you're still tuning in, but um, thank you guys so much for uh, tuning in to this episode. Be sure to follow us on social media um just search the dagger podcast it should come up in all your search engines twitter facebook instagram you name it um but yeah thank you guys so much and can't wait to release this episode and you guys have a safe and fun weekend so enjoy everyone